Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Communicate Influence podcast. I'm your host, Sheila Cagill. Before we go to our episode, I'm happy to say that the podcast has its first sponsor. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode or two, you can go to communicateinfluence.com and click on the sponsor link in the top menu. This week's episode is brought to you by Kiri.fm. That's Kiri spelled K-Y-R-I-E dot F-M. Kiri helps podcasters build communities around their podcasts. If you're a podcaster who wants to grow and engage your listeners, Kiri is for you. Kiri automatically creates discussions for your listeners as soon as you create a new episode. It also provides you with detailed insights on how your community is growing. It's free while in beta, so go to kiri.fm slash communicate to learn more. And I'll add that the Communicate Influence podcast is on Kiri. We have a growing community, so I hope you'll join and comment on our episodes, um, engage and share your ideas for future topics to cover. In this week's episode, we're returning to Fiona Fennec, a reputation management expert in New Zealand. We spoke with Fiona a few weeks ago when we had our episode about Prince Andrew's Newsnight interview. And this time around, we're talking to Fiona about something that we all know is important, but we sometimes let slip. And that's management of our own or our brand's reputation. Fiona discusses the importance of being proactive with reputation management, becoming self-aware so that we can influence how others see us, and mental health and reputation management. Fiona is author of the book, Stand Out and Step Up, A Reputation Toolkit for Life. And you can find that book on Amazon. We'll be discussing Fiona's book in more detail in our next episode. For now, let's go to Reputation Management with Fiona Fennec. Welcome to the podcast, Fiona. Thanks so much, Sheila. It's so great to talk to you. And it's great talking to you and having you on this show because I know that our listeners will get so much value from uh, this episode on reputation, reputation management, and how to look after ourselves during our, our career and deal with any issues that we have regarding our reputation. So before we jump into that, Fiona, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, thanks, Sheila. Um, a little bit about myself. Well, I uh, originally born in uh, Scotland, in Edinburgh, uh, educated in Hong Kong, uh, and then latterly back in Scotland, and then basically started my career in Europe uh, before moving to New Zealand, uh, coming up for uh, 19 years ago. So I am a communicator, have been all my career from my first role onwards, um, went through the whole piece uh, of working in corporates, uh, became, uh, got in some leadership positions in communications with some large organisations in uh, England, and then decided it was time to set up my own company. Uh, thought that's what you did back in the day to get a bit of flexibility uh, to start a family. So that's what I did. Um, and in the meantime, uh, also took on a role on the executive of one of the premiership uh, football teams uh, in England. So a very interesting, varied time. Um, then moved to New Zealand uh, uh, in 2000 and... Um, kind of carried on the career in a way, took a little bit of a gap because uh, 
thought it was a little bit over the um, the 24-7 uh, pressure that uh, that kind of role brings. Set up an internet company, did a few bits and pieces, but kind of lost track of the fact that I really am a communicator. That's that's who I am. So started to get back into it, which was a bit of a, a, a long crawl, um, but we'll probably talk about that. Um, but now I am very much focused on a, a number of things, including, as you mentioned, reputation management uh, through my company, 15 Minutes. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're a, a very talented woman and you have lots of strings to your, your bow. So uh, you've done crisis communications as well. And what else are you doing in New Zealand? Because I know that a lot of the things that you're, you're focused on and passionate about are kind of beyond communications, aren't they? Uh, they certainly are, Sheila. That's one of the things that I um, talk a lot about with the people that I, I work with now and therefore you know, I really should walk the walk. And that is, as you realise what you really want to do in this world, um, you you actually start looking for the things that actually allow you to do just that. So, yeah, I do quite a few things. So my my day job is the the whole personal brand reputation management piece, which involves public speaking, which involves uh, my book, which involves um, actually advising organisations, primarily in the corporate and sports space. Um, but I also do a few other things that, that really just excite me. And that is we've just started doing a studio accommodation at our place in uh, beautiful uh, Blenheim, Marlborough, New Zealand. We're surrounded by vineyards and uh, we also have our own little patch of dirt, our own little vineyard, uh, which produces fantastic Pinot Noir. So as I'm speaking to you, I'm looking out on a beautiful Pinot Noir vineyard. Um, so that keeps us busy. I'm also uh, uh, an independent uh, marriage celebrant and civil union celebrant. So that keeps me busy during the summer. So that's my passionate hobby. Um, and I run a couple of other businesses on the side as well. Um, I also have a governance career, so I sit on the boards of a number of organisations, especially uh, in Marlborough now to um, promote the best that is Marlborough, both in the food and wine space. So I, I just love what I do. And I think as you get uh, older and your career takes you to certain places, I think focusing on what you love um is definitely a, a good way to go. And I certainly love that, what I'm doing. That's great. Um, and you touched on your book there, Stand Out and Step Up. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about that later or in another episode. Actually, you sound incredibly busy, Fiona. So I think we're really lucky to get this time with you. Thanks again. And let's jump into reputation management Um which is probably at the front of everyone's minds right now with the uh, some of the issues around Prince Andrew and his reputation. And before we talk about that, I mean, how on a basic level, Fiona, how, how do you define reputation? That's a really, really great question. Um, it's basically really simple. And mm -hmm. it's not, you know, it's not a massively intellectual topic. It's basically what everyone thinks of you. Um, it's how you're regarded by other people. It's a sum total of all those beliefs and opinions. Um, and we all have that. We carry it with us 24-7. And it, it, it never fails to absolutely fill my heart when I'm talking to people 
and you see a light bulb going off and you think, really, is that the first time you've actually thought about this? Because you are whatever age you are and how you're living your life, but you've never actually realised that you have a reputation. Now, reputation can be anything. It can be good, it can be bad, or it can be every you know spectrum or shade in between. Or it can be no reputation at all, which is the worst thing of all, frankly. But it can be absolutely anything. But it is who you are. It's how you present yourself, how you live your life, how you work in your life. It's, it's everything that others perceive about you. And and that's an incredibly powerful thing. It can be a great thing or it can be a really bad thing. But the most important thing is, how do you manage that? Because, you know, it's been said before, and I'll say it again, it is your greatest asset. I don't care what fancy house you might live in or what car or what, your reputation is the biggest asset, the greatest asset you'll ever have. And it's completely within your control. It doesn't matter whether you've gone to the fanciest university, doesn't matter if you've never had further education at all, you all have the ability to manage your reputation. And when you actually think about it for a short space of time, that is an incredibly empowering, incredibly empowering thing. Mm. Now, I know that brands think about their their reputation um, probably more often than individuals in uh, who work or own businesses do. So do you think that that we need to be kind of on a day to day basis? Do we need to be more aware of our reputation? And if so, kind of what's that self-awareness about and how do we kind of put it into practice, if that makes sense? I think you're completely right, Sheila. I think when it comes to uh, a brand and let's 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 face it. When we talk about a brand, you immediately go to, you know, what you think about in the supermarket or when you're going to the mall shopping or, you know, the names you see on TV or advertisers, etc. Those are the brands. And I get that. I mean, one of my my first roles was within Procter & Gamble, completely focused on the brand and did it in, and still does it, you know, really successfully. And that's all about making sure that that brand a good brand has a good product to start with because you're never going to build a strong brand on something that's rubbish. So, you know, having a good product and then throwing lots of money at it so it's very much in your face um, and you keep that in the public conscience, right? So that brand gets perpetuated even on an international basis and that's a successful brand. Now, that can sometimes be really hard then to drill that down to personal brand because, Many people, and I do talk about this at length in the book, and I understand it completely, many people will say, oh, I'm not a brand. I'm an individual. I'm authentic. I don't, I'm not like that. And it's like, okay, well, if you don't want the word brand to describe yourself, and I get it, then Mm -hmm. use something else. Use your essence, your mana, your character, whatever feels good for you, but still understand that you are presenting just as strongly as a packet of soap powder is in a supermarket, you're presenting to your audiences and your consumers, be it your clients, be it your family, your community, you are presenting your best self to them. But are you? Are you actually aware and are you taking control of that? So I do get completely that people feel a bit icky about calling themselves a brand. Some people don't. Some people Mm. don't mind it Mm -hmm. at all. But most people don't like thinking of themselves in that way. So what I urge them to do is don't just don't think about it. 
think about it in a different context, give it a different name. I don't care what you call it, but do think about it. Really important. The key message there, Fiona, is that if you're not comfortable with the word brand, at least use only the principles and the things that uh, a brand does to ensure that you have a good reputation. Absolutely. Absolutely, Sheila. And I would strongly, strongly urge people to do that. Don't let other people define who you are and how others think of you. And it's like everything else. If you create a vacuum, if you do not do enough or you don't care enough about how you are perceived by others, then other pieces of information will fill the void. It will always happen. And therefore, there's there's nothing sadder in life than when I ask people, especially in that uh, personal um, brand space. And I do a lot of mentoring and coaching. And one of the things that I, I ask people is, give me three words that describe how the rest of your world sees you. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, mm-hmm. how do they see you? And they sometimes struggle with that, right? But it's really important that they they get a feel for that. The worst thing in the world is that they think that they know how they are perceived in their world, but it's actually not how they're perceived in their world because that can only lead to, at very best, frustration. At worst, it can be a complete disconnect that can just throw you off your axis completely. And again, how sad is that? So we need to know. We need to know what the people we are dealing with, the people we have relationships with, either in work or outside of work, how they see us. And that has got to get as closely aligned right, to how we want to be seen. And it, you know, it's not rocket science, but it actually could well be because so few of us have got that alignment going. Mm. That sounds quite tricky, though, because, you know, when when you talk about those things, I start thinking um, about uh, psychology a little bit. And, um, you know, for example, some people are brought up to be really confident and self-assured and others are. Um, told not to, for example, for lack of a better word, be boastful. So if you can't speak about your best qualities um, with confidence, um, what what should that individual be doing, especially when they're quite young and they're just getting into a PR or a marketing agency? You know, you raise probably the core, the core in all of this, Sheila. And it also touches, you're right, in the psychology, that whole introvert, extrovert piece the one thing to bear in mind, the one if you take one message away from this podcast, to have a strong brand does not mean you have to be the loudest voice in the room, right? It's not about that. And even though the book title, as you've said, stand out and step up, it sounds very shouty and look at me. It's absolutely not about that. What it is, is finding out who you are, how you want to be in this world and then how you demonstrate that so that people get to see it. Now, that is irrelevant whether you're extrovert or introvert. You find the ways of how you demonstrate that. For example, if one of the things that I felt was part of my my personal brand, my personal character, my mana, my essence, if I felt part of that was to be... um, generous in sharing knowledge, perhaps, say that was one that I would I would pick out. How do I 
demonstrate that. Now, I could sit here till I'm blue in the face telling you, Sheila, I'm generous in my sharing of knowledge. Sheila, I'm generous in my sharing of knowledge. Now, that only goes so far. Okay, that's akin to advertising. That's me just shouting the message and telling you something. How much will you take in of that? If I demonstrate it, or if you hear about it through a third party, or I share information on a regular basis basis on that space, you will start forming a picture of me in that context, right? So it's not necessarily me just saying to you, this is who I am. It's more me demonstrating, this is who I am, and this is what I do. So my advice is always to people is to get very clear on who it is you are and what you want to present and how you want the world to perceive you. And then I would say to you, right, so what are you doing to show that? How are you walking that walk? And if you can't quickly demonstrate how you're walking the walk for each of these things that you believe make up who you are, then I'd say perhaps those aren't the real parts you should be focusing on. Or are you absolutely sure and clear of who you are and how you want to be? Because if there's any mismatch, then it will be difficult for you to demonstrate that. But if you can quickly say to me, one of my values, one of my characteristics is generosity. And you can quickly reel off to me several examples of how you have demonstrated generosity in the workplace, in your community, in your relationships, etc. Then you know what? I'm going to be picking up that message. I don't need you to tell me. So therefore, you don't need to be the loudest voice in the room. You just need to be very clear on who you are and how you demonstrate. Now, that's not to say that perhaps those who are more introverted may, may find there's more issues around that. And what I'm what they would need to do is look at it and say, right, OK, I'm not going to be the loudest voice in the room. But how can I demonstrate in the way that I do best what those characteristics are that I want people to see me as? Right. Extroverts, on the other hand, possibly have to learn the lesson as well, that just by saying repeatedly a message is not necessarily the way to actually get a message to be taken on board in the best way. Again, you find the way. And in the book, I go through examples and exercises of how you can truly dig deep to find what your values are, who you are, how you want to present yourself, um, and then how you actually then can go about demonstrating that. Because you mentioned those people working in-house, say, in PR and marketing, right? One of the most important pieces for me in, in those roles, and I've said it ever since I started out in the profession, the place that, that you need to strive to be is what I call inside the room. What do I mean by that? Being inside the room is being influential in decisions being made. The more senior you get in an organisation, the louder your voice is in those situations. Sadly, there are still organisations out there that do not let the PR, comms, marketing people into that senior level of decision making. Those organisations do so at their peril. I strongly believe any organisation of note needs to have some representation in that space when they're making their leadership decisions for their organisation or their business. Because you and I both know, Sheila, the implications of communications going bad. And we see them on a daily basis on the international media scene. And we see them in our workplace and we see them in our community all the time. So really important that if you're going into a career 
in that space that you're striving to be an influential voice within your organization or whatever body you're going to end up working with or for. Now, why is that important? Because a communicator, a good communicator, will understand and see things that others don't. They may not understand, and I'll give you a funny little story. I, I actually worked uh, for uh, a long time for uh, within the chemical industry. And this is somebody who didn't do even the most basic level of chemistry at school, right? Really not my space. But I worked within the chemical industry. And I remember saying to a very senior leader within the organization who turned out to be my boss at some point at one stage, um, that the day that I understand completely what you're talking about is the day I should leave this organization. Because if I understand completely what you're talking about, I'll probably be speaking the same language as you are, which is all technical stuff. It's all jargon. And nobody outside this organization understands. So I'm your conduit. I and my team will be the people almost like language translators that will make it easily understandable by those people outside that you have an impact on, be it your community, your stakeholders, your you know strong relationships in the area. And that's that that I remember saying it to him and it stayed with me ever since, no matter which company or organization I've worked with. You need to speak the same language. You need to be in the room that is actually influencing what messages are being um, or are about to be made outside the organization. Because if you don't, then you're unable to influence how those messages are going to be received. And therefore, you, if you can do that, you may help the organization long term in maintaining its reputation. And and to be perfectly honest, if you do it well enough, you'll actually enhance the reputation. Mm. That's fascinating, Fiona. And it's it kind of a digression, really. But you explored uh, being in the room, having a seat at the table. Um, that is a huge issue for uh, communications. And I think that's, that's something that we could have probably a one or two hour long conversation I about. Think so it's something I'm yeah. certainly passionate about. And, you know, just relating to, to a very topical story that's in the media just now and is likely to roll because of the actions that have been taken for some time to come was the recent interview with uh, Prince Andrew uh, by the BBC. Now, from what one can glean from reading um, a, a source said, um, that was very much uh, somebody in the room who actually helped make that decision uh, for him to actually do the interview. Now, that's also something that needs to be borne in mind. Just getting into the room is not enough. Um, you need to get into the room and actually be good at what you do and be of sound mind and have a finger on the pulse and a hundred other things. So if somebody ever asked me to write a job description for getting that seat at the table or getting in the room, it would be nigh on impossible. I think it's a very particular kind of DNA. I think that there are skill sets that you can learn. But I, I know from recruitment I've done myself for my own companies that I do currently for my boards and for other organizations. There is a special X factor that has to be included and it supersedes gender and um, any other you know differentiation. It is purely about the right person. And that person has got to have so many skills and qualities that it would be very hard to define. But boy, when you see them, 
and recognize them, you know them. You, you talked about individuals in, in PR and marketing um, acquiring, you know, working towards the values and, and displaying those values authentically in their everyday behavior. But there's that strange paradox that humans have because we never quite know how we come across to other people. And it's like sometimes you see that in books or in real life stories um, where a wife might learn something about their husband or and, you know, they'll pass on a piece of information and the, the partner has no idea that they were perceived in a certain way or you know, sometimes you've worked for a company for years and you've got no idea that your your boss thinks a certain thing about you. And these seem to be hard conversations for us as well. So we've got this strange blind spot and then we find it hard to to talk about about these these uh, how you know, how we are seen. Um Mm-hmm. And I'm on. Would a, you like to comment? I on would that? love to. I'm on a, a one woman crusade to identify and to eliminate those blind spots, because I I work with people of all ages, Sheila, all ages and stages of their career and life, and I, I think the the earlier that we can identify within ourselves who we are and how we want to be seen by others then the and and demonstrate that then the less chance there'll be of blind spots now we can all have opinions about people and that's fine we can all you know what it's like sometimes there's a chemistry with somebody either a work colleague or a in a personal relationship or in your community or whatever there's people that you will just instinctively get on with better than others that's fine that is human dynamics and and a whole mesh of psychology going on in there right however when it comes to your career, your success, your role in life, you want to be the best you can be with that. Now, it's all very well for a colleague or a boss to to perhaps, you know, not want to spend, you know, their social time with you. That's okay, because maybe that chemistry is just not there for all of that. But that does not stop them from seeing you and knowing you for how you want to be seen. Does that make sense? So, but, and that's in your domain, right? So you use the analogy of, you know, you can work with a boss for many years and not realize that's what they thought of you. And you're right. We hear that so many times, don't we? That you're thinking, really? If somebody describes somebody to you and you've known them and they think, really? I don't see them like that at all. That's what I mean about that whole filling the vacuum piece. What I would say is, therefore, that individual is not demonstrating enough about themselves that it makes it so obvious to everybody around them who they are and what they're like. Now, you know, it may be that people get confused between, as I say, that whole human chemistry piece. I keep them very separately because when I am dealing with people professionally, right, I will look at them and I will look for depth. I'll look for examples of them being the person I think they are. If I just if I've just been told by somebody that person is that and I see no example of that, I'm not going to believe it. Okay? And therefore, I'm probably, you know, if I was in a recruitment situation, you know, we could all write a great CV nowadays. Wow, the internet's fabulous for giving us all the tips and tricks that we need. How many times I have actually sat down with somebody on a recruitment process, having looked at the CV and gosh, wow, you're amazing, and then talk to them 
and ask them to dig a bit deeper about certain things that they've said about themselves and they've not been able to give me anything. And I've thought, okay, I'm sorry, that's not that's not what I'm looking for. You know, how many times do we all data mine? We go online, we search somebody's name to find out, you know, a bit more about them and there's nothing there. And you think, okay, well, that's that's a shame. Um, I, I ask everyone that I actually I, I, I work with. In fact, I was doing a session with a, a group of um, mentees in a mentoring program the other day. And I said to them, you know, we've just given the mentors your names of who they're going to be mentoring over the next year. What's the first thing they they will do? And they all looked at me. I said, they're going to go and search on you, aren't they? they? And they did. They went straight on their phones looking for who their mentee was and what they could find out about them. And I said, have you given yourself the best shot? The information that's out there is that would you be happy with your LinkedIn profile or your other social media streams? Is your privacy good on your private sites? You know, are you happy? And they all looked at me. And this was a group of young to mid-20s, right? And I'm looking at them saying there is a massive opportunity that you never even considered, right? So, you know, if you extrapolate that and apply that to your question, there is always something we can do to ensure that who we are is being fairly and justifiably represented. If we don't do that, Sheila, there is only one person to throw the spotlight onto for that, and that's each one of us. So it's that personal responsibility. I hear it so many times saying, oh, it's just, you know, I get passed over for jobs in my organization or nobody takes me seriously or, you know, I'm never going to get in the room because, you know, they don't take me seriously. And I'll go, right, okay, so what are you expecting? You're going to wake up one day and they're going to take you seriously? How is that going to work? Or are you going to demonstrate stronger why you should be listened to, why you should be in that room, why you should be appointed into that role. It's all on you. We can, you know, yes, life will throw us bad luck every now and again. I get that, right? But I believe you make your own good luck. So, you know, I I would urge everyone to really, really dig deep, look to yourself and say, what can I do to make sure that the opinions that people have of me are correct. And the only way you can do that is by keeping living the the, the whole piece and walking the walk. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that those things that you've touched on, Fiona, it's, it's really reputation management 101, isn't it? Take care of your online profiles. And lots of things have been written about that, especially um, in uh, election campaigns, I think there were a couple of instances in Canada with the last election in October where, you know, the opposition uh, members will dig through tweets and find uh, something that you've tweeted uh, five years ago and it's not very nice and you should have taken care of that and changed your perspective on whatever it was. Absolutely. And it is Reputation 101, Sheila, but you know what? I, uh, you know, I'd hate to put a percentage on how many people don't get it right. It is unbelievable to me that in this day and age, when we embrace social media for the wonder that it is, and we embrace the technology that allows us to do what we're doing now and allows us to stay abreast of the latest news and opinions and everything else, it's a fabulous beast. And still people get it wrong. And I, I just, it astounds me. Something as simple as LinkedIn, for example, which I think, I mean, it's my it's my preferred business, you know, platform of choice. 
Um, and I feel if it's done correctly, uh, and what I mean correctly, I don't mean there's a carbon, you know, there's a carbon copy for everyone or a cookie cutter approach. I think that's terrible. You've got to be able to demonstrate the authentic, amazing individual that you are. So therefore, you know, what's your standout? What what information do you use? What do you share? What do you, you know, what do you tell me when I look at your LinkedIn profile? What is it that makes me think I want to connect with you or I'd be happy to to share my connections with you or connect you with other people or learn from you? What are you showing me? And and frankly, if if in a business context, you're standing there with a picture of you and the fish you caught at the weekend and, you know, you've written three words and you've got 10 connections, how am I going to perceive that? As opposed to somebody whose picture, and let's face it, the picture speaks a hundred thousand million words. That picture should basically be the best capture of how you want to be perceived. Now, you might say, I want to be perceived as a person with a fish. It shows something. Now, fine, if you work for a fish company or you have a sense of humor that <laughs> you're a comedian or something, fabulous. That might be the best picture possible. But for most of us, it's perhaps in a business context, if you're wanting to be in the room and let's stick with that theme, then how are you wanting to portray yourself? You know, if you're going around with a red clown nose, nose on or standing holding a fish or, you know, showing pictures of your feet, that might not give me the strongest indication that you're the person I want in the room with me. Now, you might say, Fiona, that's surely a bit shallow. You're not looking deep enough. How many of us have got the time to look that deep? Because we have so much knowledge and information to sift through. I need quick stuff that allows my perceptions to tick boxes. So I'll look at that. I'll then read the words and go, yeah, I want to take this further. I want to connect with this person. If you don't get that bit right, I'll move on to the next person. It's the same with CVs, the same with social media streams, same with podcasts. You capture people. You've got one shot, one at making a good impression, but secondly, of demonstrating how how good you are for the thing you want to be doing. Mm. And now I'd like to ask you about something that that's kind of tricky for some people um, who who kind of close up in a sense. Um, and I'm talking about people who, you know, I remember years ago in Edmonton, I worked with a colleague whose son had committed suicide and she was very withdrawn. Um, and other people who might have been alcoholics in the past or who have had parents with mental health issues. And at times, these individuals, they can almost come across as kind of secretive because they have this sense of shame about them. And it, it's, it's quite sad, really, because it stops them from um, reaching their own potential and, and moving, moving on. But on the other hand, you can kind of understand and you have to be compassionate that that's where they're at in this moment. Do you have any words of guidance for, for people who just, you know, can't manage their reputation in a positive, assertive kind of way because they've experienced some kind of trauma in their lives? Um, I think that's a, that's a really interesting one, Sheila, because... One thing is for sure, we don't know what life is going to, to bring. And, you know, we we certainly shouldn't judge. And anything can happen to anyone at any moment in time. So all that being said, your reputation is what you're basically from, from when you're born, especially now with that whole digital footprint stuff, 
your digital footprint is growing all the way through your life, right? It doesn't just start. So depending on who you are and at what stage of your life you experience trauma, or if it's something that has been with you all your life, then that that will be something that will be part of you, does not stop you defining who you are and what you want to do. Now, I think there's two separate things. There's something that perhaps has been with you all your life, and that perhaps might define who you are and and how you are about things. And again, this goes back perhaps into that whole space of to have a good reputation does not mean, or to have a strong reputation does not mean you have to be the loudest voice, does not mean that you have to be completely in control and on top of everything every second of the day. We're all human. We all have frailties. But but knowing where you want to be is the important piece. So if it's been with you throughout your life that you have been subject to trauma, etc., it's understanding, though, what you want to do with your life and then making sure that within your space and what you do, that whatever you're trying to do, you're doing it in a way that people understand that is who you are and what you're doing. Okay. Now, as I say, the thing to bear in mind about reputation is it is not a cookie cutter. We shouldn't aspire to be somebody else. We should be looking to be the best version of ourselves. And that is really important to remember. We can look at other people and say, I'd love to be as strong as them, or I'd love to be that, or I'd love to be that. But we might not be. But there's nothing wrong with us aspiring or thinking that there might be things we could learn from that. So I think that's one piece. I think the other thing you mentioned is what happens if something happens in your life? You know, that as you are going through your life, something happens, makes you withdraw, makes you perhaps just want to pull up the duvet or the blankets and just say, world, I don't want you to happen today. I think we all can have situations like that. And there are people way better equipped than I am to talk about that. But in terms of the reputation space, if you are and have created and are living an authentic life, be it professionally and personally, then when the wheel comes off sometimes, as it does for most people at some point, and mental health issues, I'm not sure how it is in Canada for you just now, but in New Zealand, it's a massive topic, which is wonderful because it's on the agenda, male, female, you know, it's on the agenda for everyone to to consider. Um, it can happen. And therefore, does that define you? No, you define yourself. You may need to, you know, to understand that you don't have to have your foot on a pedal of self-promotion to have a good reputation. That is so not what it's about. It's about being authentic and who you are. Okay. So, you know, I think, I think perhaps let's separate the two of those out. We can all, and I love the fact that we can say things like, I'm going to have a mental health day tomorrow. And it's not seen as you're crazy or you, you know, you're not equipped or you're not good enough. It's, I just want to take some time to get my head clear. I just need some time. And I love that people are talking like that. And it's a normal thing. It's not a stigma that you are carrying. I love that, right? Because we all have mental health issues, days that are better than others, days we're stronger than others. But I think that is something separate to how you manage your reputation. 
I think your question was, what happens if you feel you almost need to take a little bit of a holiday? Well, you never take a holiday from who you are, right? So being authentic is absolutely at the core of having a strong reputation and having a good reputation. And that's whether it's as an individual or as an organisation. Integrity and authenticity are the two core words to having those those things and then whatever happens as life unveils its its path for us all then you know if you still you and true to who you are then sure life can throw curveballs but it doesn't change the essence of who you are mm, that's really good Fiona and I think a lot of people will be comforted by that 